Morning to you. <clears throat> we welcome you to our time of worship, and thank you, Jeff. What a great song. Uh, Send revival, O oh God. That is our, our prayer today. And again, we're just delighted to have you join in with us all over the city of Austin, the state of Texas, across America, and maybe even places around the world. People are tuning us in and worshiping with us. If you are on Facebook, I'd love for you to push the Facebook Live um, share button. That would be fantastic, and you can make some comments there to us uh, during the service, and um, we welcome you to do that, as many people are, are doing that even now. So March 21st, as Trey said, looking forward to us being back together here on the campus, worshiping the Lord together. It'll be a little different. We know Connect Group classes, but we will have worship care for the little ones, have Children's Church, and also we'll be able to come together March 21st in the sanctuary, and I'm really excited about that. But... Hey, we're grateful to God for the technologies that we have. And again, as I said last week, so very grateful to uh, so many volunteers, men and women are helping us put this uh, program together so that it is broadcast with great quality and care. And I really do uh, appreciate all those on our media team. We're in a study in the book of Acts. I invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Uh, the title of our message today is The Word of the Lord. And we're going to look at chapter 13, verses 42 through 52, as we're studying the Apostle Paul and the missionary team. It's about AD 46 in Asia Minor, the first missionary journey. As the church at Antioch had sent out, Antioch of Syria had sent out this missionary band, and now they make their way all the way over to Antioch of Pisidia, and there they see God do a remarkable work. Now, whenever you study the book of Acts, it's really important to keep in mind that the whole book is written within the context of awakening, spiritual awakening, revival. And so when you see all these miraculous things happening, remember that they're operating in the realm of just an anointing, a spiritual awakening. Of course, we're praying for that today. We're praying that God would do that here in Austin, Texas, and wherever you may be living and all over the world, that God would send that wave of revival, the wind of the Spirit would blow again across our world, and we would see multitudes of people coming to faith in Christ and lives changed and uh, churches revitalized. So the word of the Lord, the reason I'm calling my sermon that today is four times in the text that I will read in just a moment, Four times that phrasing is used, either the word of the Lord or the word of God. See, that was preeminent to Paul and Barnabas as they were proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the same message that I'm proclaiming today. It is the message of hope. It is the message of redemption. It is the message of a restart. It is a message that you need to hear today. And that's why You've tuned in. It's not an accident. God has supernaturally orchestrated and ordained our time together so that we could study the Word of God. And I'm just so honored and blessed of God to be able to walk you through the sacred text as God does His miracles in your life. So let me read it to you. It's Acts chapter 13. We'll read verses 42 through 52. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, uh, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them uh, the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes, and remember proselyte is someone who is converted from uh, whatever their religion was to uh, Judaism. 
And so that's who's in the synagogue that day. You have many devout Jews and also devout proselytes. They followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city... Now, remember, when you read this, think revival. Think awakening of God, okay? Almost the whole city of Antioch and Pisidia came together to hear the word of God. But, now, there's a conjunction here, and when you, you can just feel it, the, the pathos in that conjunction, but there's going to be trouble. That's what Luke is signaling to you and me, the reader. God is moving. There's a great awakening. People are being saved, and people are coming to faith in Christ, but uh, here comes trouble. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. They were filled with jealousy and, and contradicting. Antilego is the word. literally means to speak against and blaspheming, blaspheming, uh, probably blaspheming the name of Jesus because that's the name that Paul was preaching so powerfully. They opposed the things uh, spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas, they grew bold. Notice they did not grow uh, with fear and trepidation, with timidity. No, not at all. Paul and Barnabas grew bold, and they said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, meaning the Jews. But since you reject it, and you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. That's a quote from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, prophesying 700 years before, and Paul and Barnabas are making direct application of that prophecy, that they are going to take the light of the good news to the Gentiles. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, man, they got glad. They were like, woohoo, there's hope for us too. The Messiah did not come just for the Jews, but he came for us too, us Gentiles. So they were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. There it is, the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But again, <laughs> the conjunction has a function. It's to warn us, the reader, that this whole, this whole scene in sacred scripture is it's just, it's, it's a contrast. There's good times and bad times. There's receptivity to the gospel, and then there's rejection to the gospel. There's uh, the favor of God, and then there's opposition. So we're going to move in and out of these dichotomies and contrasts, literally in my sermon uh, today. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, and they raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and kicked them out, <clears throat> literally expelled them, removed them from their region. But they shook off the dust, and Jesus told the church to do that. Look, when they reject you and the gospel, shake off the dust of your feet and go on to the next place. So they shook off the dust from their feet <clears throat> against them, and then they came to Iconium and the disciples. They were filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. What a passage of Scripture. Four times the word of the Lord is mentioned. Why? Because that is the theme. That is what Paul and Barnabas are preaching there in the synagogue in Antioch of Pisidia. 
And so they are focused on the Lord. Uh, Their message is very clear. They have a mandate from Christ, and that is to pronounce, to announce good news, great news, that God has so invaded this world in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross, arose from the dead. Remember, that's what Paul preached and began in verse 16, I think goes all the way to verse 41, that we took two weeks here just studying Paul's sermon. We called it, oh, what a message. And now there's response. Look, there's always response. When the word of God is faithfully preached by the preacher, the pastor, the man of God, as he shares with passion and with boldness and with clarity and compassion and grace, then God moves. Look, not only does God move, and give favor, and people are blessed, and they are saved, but there's another movement. Paul and Barnabas would say, absolutely, when God's at work, so is somebody else, and of course, that somebody else would be the enemy. I mean, I don't know if you realize it, but you have an enemy, and I have an enemy, and the Bible clearly defines him as Satan, Lucifer, the devil, who hates the gospel. He hates the good news being proclaimed. He will do everything in his power to prevent and stop pastors from preaching the Bible. Look, in America, if he can't stop us physically with persecution, then he will tempt us. He will tempt us to, hey, don't don't get so much in the gospel, you know, and Jesus and the ethical life, you know. Let's just let's just give them a TED talk. Amen. <laughs> let's just have another TED talk psychological I'm okay you're okay. Let's live our best lives now. Let's don't worry about anything. I mean, everything is glorious and grand, and yet the Bible says, preach the Word of God. Come on, pastor. Preach the Bible. Preach the truths of the Scripture. Do it with passion, but do it with with grace and compassion. And so that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at just two things. I have actually four or five points, but we're only going to have time today to do the first two We'll look at the same passage again next week, all verses 42 through 52, the word of the Lord. We'll just call it part two, all right? The first thing I want to share with you is this. is the word favor. My word for the year of 2021 is favor, that we would experience the favor, the touch of God, the hand of God, the blessings, the prosperity of God as we faithfully preach the gospel, as we faithfully serve the Lord. And so we see it here. In verses 42 through 44 especially, Paul and Barnabas went out of the synagogue and the people followed them in the streets, begging them, imperfect tense in verse 42. They begged them, please return the next week and preach again. Now, I've preached uh, many a sermons in my life. I'm 56 years of age. I started preaching when I was 17 and I have yet to have that happen to me. That literally when I finish preaching, people come up to me and say, would you please come back next week? And we, we beg you, we implore you. You say, well, why doesn't that happen today? Well, it, again, you got to keep in mind this hermeneutical little key that I'm giving you that these things only happen during awakening, during a revival. But look, I've read about them happening. I've read where people literally lined up at the door of George Whitfield. He couldn't even go to sleep. And the people with little lamps were just, and little candles were saying, please, sir, don't go to sleep. Come back and preach the message, the word of the Lord. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? 
to live in such a day. Well, Paul's message, wow, well, it was so powerful. And, and he was being asked to continue that message. He said, well, what did he preach? I mean, did he, did he really just preach the gospel of Jesus and his ethical implications? Yes, he did. It's called the apostolic preaching uh, in the book of Acts. Whenever you analyze these sermons in the book of Acts, whether it's Peter or Paul or Philip, whoever's preaching, they usually have these salient features, these primary characteristics. And it would go like this. First of all, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets. Number two, he was born of the Virgin Mary. Number three, he lived a precious life, a perfect life. He, he literally gave his life away in ministry, in service. He washed the disciples' feet. He touched the lepers and healed them. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He fed the 5,000 and the 4,000. He went about doing good deeds. He was the Son of God come from heaven to show us how to live a righteous and godly life. Then he died. He died on a cruel cross, a form of execution for criminals. What was his crime? For preaching the truth. For teaching people, for example, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can go to heaven except through Christ. He was bold and he shared that message and he died for the sins of the world. Now, I'm just teaching you the apostolic preaching in the book of Acts, which I believe with all my heart, there ought to be a resurgence of said preaching today where we preach Christ crucified buried, resurrected. After that, the apostles would say he ascended to the Father after he had preached the kingdom of God for 40 days. He ascended to the Father. He is coming again. He is coming again, and when he comes, he comes to judge this earth. So therefore, repent and believe the gospel. That's the message that they preached. In our day and age, we so need this message. This is the message of hope. In our day of moral relativism, Jesus is the righteous one. In our day of violence, I mean, I've never seen such violence and hatred, whether it's race against race or politician against politician, Jesus enters as our peace. I've never seen the disintegration, the hatred for the homogeneous nuclear unit of a family, of a man and a woman having children, offspring, not my ideal, it's God's ideal. I've never seen that sacred institution be under such vitriol and attack. And yet Jesus is our hope. He is our peace. Our answer is not in a president or a pope or a pastor, and it surely isn't in no politician. I'm telling you, our hope is in Christ. Christ and Christ alone. And this is the message that we have to preach, that we have to teach, that we have to shout it and pronounce it with a clarion call to people so that they hear the gospel, know the gospel, and that they can receive it and be born again and live an abundant life and an eternal life. So Paul and Barnabas have preached and the favor of God is upon them. So much favor that the people are like, look, please don't stop. <laughs> Come back and preach again. Verse 43, many of the Jews and the proselytes, they, 
They followed him in the streets. One writer said they had a running dialogue in the street. It would be like me on March 21st. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of jacked up about March 21st. I'm, I'm in here by myself. I mean, it's just me and the Lord and these cameras. Now, there are people on the other side there. I know they're out there, but I just look forward to seeing people. I hope you'll make a point to come March 21st so that we can be together and we can worship God together. We can hear the word of God preach and I can literally see you and hear you. But it would be like me on March 21st after I finished preaching the Bible and we say our goodbyes. When I walk to my car, there's a throng of people following me saying, look, God really spoke to my heart. Are you, what are you doing next week on the 28th? I hope you'll come back, Pastor Danny. Would you come back and keep preaching to us from the word of God? You said, that's not going to happen. And you're right. But oh, when God comes and the revival of God falls on this church, things like that happen. You can't get enough of the word of God. You bring your friends, you bring your neighbors, they get saved, they get baptized, and we disciple them. I tell you, we don't go through the motions, man. We, we are fired up with God. And when the Holy Spirit of God descends on Great Hills Baptist Church, let me tell you something, friend, you will know it. It'll be conspicuous to all. And that's my prayer. I've been praying for this earnestly seeking God, like what's happening in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Long Hollow Baptist Church, Pastor Robbie Gallaty, man, they're seeing the fire of God fall. I mean, it was born in a prayer meeting on a Tuesday night prayer meeting. The people come out in droves to pray. Tuesday night, you come you pray, you seek the face of God. Look, you rearrange your schedules. Everybody's busy, but you rearrange your schedule. You get in the presence of God, and it's not an entertainment. It's not a show. It is just a desperation for the Spirit of God to fall upon a church. Well, in a little over two months, nine weeks, they baptized 580 people. Now, think about that for a moment. 580 people baptized in one church. And Pastor Robbie Gallaty, he sent me a note last week. He said, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your church. I know y'all are gathering on Tuesday night to pray. I'm asking the Lord to move in a mighty way. Look, you can't work up a revival. You have to pray it down. That's all we got, guys. That's all we bring to God is desperation. God, save people, oh God. Move upon our church, oh God. Cleanse us of our sins. God, conform us more to the image of... Man, those things happen when God falls on a church. When the Spirit of God is thick and you just feel the presence of God, the palpable, it's conspicuous, it's obvious when you walk into the room the power of God falls. You say, well, I would love that. Are you praying for that? Well, I don't know. Well, 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 you know what? Are you praying for, come on, man. Let's pray to God for the fire of God to fall on Great Hills Baptist Church. You say, my land, pastor, you're preaching like you're desperate. I am desperate. I'm desperate to see people saved again in our church, baptized and, and, and walking with God. 
That doesn't come as a result of preaching. I promise you that. It comes as a result of prayer. What are you doing March the 23rd, for example? Well, I don't know. I got, I'm sure I got something more important to do than pray. Then we'll keep experiencing what we're experiencing, which is not much. <laughs> not much by way of spiritual fruit. I'm, I'm talking about people being lost. You with me? Dead coming to life. How does that happen? I can't do that. <laughs> I, I can't preach a dead person to life. That's the Spirit of God. And it just seems to me that there's a commensurate correlation, a direct relationship between the people of God praying and the Spirit of God falling. I'll show you a clip of what they're experiencing out at Long Hollow. This will bless you. This will encourage you to join me and pray to God like never before. Let's watch this. I ask the Lord through prayer to set this place on fire with the Holy Spirit of God. And I ask the Lord to set me on fire for him. I ask the Lord to set our people on fire for him. And I told you this last week, you don't have to advertise a fire. It advertises itself. I don't care what hour of the night, I don't care what the weather is, neighbors will come out and watch something burn. What'll happen if the people who call Long Hollow home are set on fire by the Holy Ghost? We've seen what you can do, oh God of wonders, your power has no end. The things you've done before, in greater measure, you will do again, cause there's no this hunger, this passion that we would want nothing more and no one else than Jesus. We want an outpouring of your spirit, God, that you change hearts. Whew. See all those people at the altar praying, desperate for God to move. You know, Paul and Barnabas, they saw the favor of God. I mean, the unprecedented, miraculous things were happening like... <laughs> people following them out to their chariot, please come back. Please come next week and preach the word. And so Paul and Barnabas persuaded them or urged them to continue in the grace of God. I love that. 
You people who have believed in the Lord, continue, persevere, be faithful. So you can see almost some discipleship, some nurturing, some teaching there. Verse 44, oh goodness, look at that. My favorite number doubled (laughs) in one of my favorite books in all the Word of God, the book of Acts. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together for what? For a concert, for entertainment, for a show, for a talk. No, not at all. They came together. You can read it. Read it in verse 44. They came together. What was the attraction? What was the pull? What was it so that the whole city said, I know we're busy, but man, I got to get to that synagogue. It was, verse 44, the word of God. Woo, come on. It was the word of God. Mm, That excites me. You know, the God who did it in Antioch of Pisidia, the God who's doing it in Hendersonville, Tennessee, is the God that desires to move in power in Austin, Texas, at Great Hills Baptist Church. May we be a catalyst. May we be a little spark of the Spirit of God setting our hearts aflame, as we sang a moment ago, and a conflagration, a mighty movement of God just sweeps across this great city of ours. Okay, that's the favor of God. Number two is the opposition. But Luke says there's going to be some trouble. Trouble's a-brewing. Trouble's coming. And you got you to gotta realize that whenever God moves and works, so does the enemy. Look, if you haven't met the enemy recently, you might be walking with him. But when you walk against him, you know it. Uh, there is a, there's a fight. There's a spiritual battle. Whenever God is working, church is growing, prepare yourself, there's going to be difficulty. Bertha, I appreciate you so much. You are helping us out here in our church and our prayer ministry. Cavasas, I'm trying to pronounce your last name. God bless you. And Christina, who works here on our staff. Here's what she wrote when to the email she sent to 21 of us. There were 21 of us in a church of hundreds and hundreds of people. 21 of us showed up. Tuesday to pray for an hour uh, for life, to pray against abortion, to pray for life. And it was fascinating. I mean, Ashley and I were there and there was some confrontation, but hey, we got to pray. That's, that's our weapon. That's the spiritual weapon that we bring. This is what Bertha says. She said, look, the enemy does not like it when we go on the offensive. We are literally participating in a spiritual battle. I was warned that I should be prepared to be under attack as I stepped into this role of prayer for the unborn, I have never been one to shy out from the Lord's work, but I have taken a beating to say the least. I've taken a beating. This has strengthened. Now, here's her response to that, and I appreciate this so much. It doesn't say, and I've taken a beating, and I said, uh, you pastors need to get somebody else to do your dirty work. I'm tired of that. I'm not doing that anymore. That's not what she said. Here's what this email says. She says, this has strengthened my resolve to serve the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my soul, strength, mind, and body. I ask him every day, help me, O God. Help keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, my Lord and Savior, my King, my Redeemer. He is our fortress and strength, the present help 
in time of trouble. Let us keep up the good fight for joy comes in the morning. End of quote, end of email. By the way, you want to send me emails like that? Let me just do a little Baptist jig here for just a second. Woo, come on, send them. Send them to me. You're battling the enemy. I mean, you're in the fray. You've got dust and dirt on your face. You are fighting against the evil one. Send me that email so that I can say, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm praying for you, ma'am. I'm praying for you, sir. Witness to souls. Lead them to Christ. Disciple them. Mm, It's on. It'll be on. And there'll there'll be spiritual battles waged. Look. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against the powers of wickedness in the heavenly places, the devil and his cohorts, his demons. And our greatest weapon is, what do you think I'm about to say? It's prayer. It's prayer. Praying, oh God, save Most of the Jews did not respond very favorably. And Luke tells us why. He says they were jealous. Proverbs 27, 4 is an interesting passage of Scripture. I shared this with a friend of mine this week as he's encountering lots of opposition. Him and his wife and their family, they're in an amazing church. God is moving in power. People are being saved. They started a prayer meeting on Tuesday night, and God is just moving. But, man, they're getting beat up. I mean, us Christian folk, we can be mighty mean sometimes. And I felt the Spirit of God impress me to give him this verse. Wrath is cruel and anger is a torrent, but who can stand before jealousy? That jealousy, that envy, that's what the Jews were experiencing. And I'm going to use my sanctified imagination here with you for just a moment. Here's what I think happened. They show up, the Jews did, on the Sabbath, and they're like, "Oh, oh, wait a minute, who are all these people? Man, that chariot out there, there's some Gentile in my parking spot, and I ain't happy about it. I'm going to tell the rabbi all about it. So they go to the rabbi and say, well, wait a minute. The rabbi's covered up with people. He's got people everywhere, and he's trying to say, well, well, here, you, you sit here, you sit there. So that Jewish guy, he's stirred up. He's fired up. Somebody's talking to his preacher. Somebody is sitting there in his chariot spot, so he's just going to go in the synagogue, and he's going to have his seat, his seat. Right where he sits every single Saturday Sabbath. He goes in there, my there's people everywhere. That Gentile is in my seat. Get out. (laughs) Envious, angry. Look, the spirit of God moves. Things change. Wouldn't that be awesome, Great Hills Baptist Church? You showed up March 21st. You didn't, you couldn't find a parking spot. You come in our big sanctuary and you're like, dude, there's people everywhere. Oh, God, do it, oh, God. Send it, God. Send the people. We're praying, God, that March 21st, people would come back to their church. They want a fellowship. They want to pray. Oh, that God would do it. I pray somebody takes your seat. I hope they do. F.F. Bruce says it like this. He says, regular Christian worshipers, we can manifest some quite unchristian indignation. May it not be so among us. Verse 45 said these upset people, man, they, you know, when somebody's upset, they start typing emails, they start texting, or they start speaking. 
And you got to get it out because they're angry, right? And here it comes. They antilego, literally speak against Paul and Barnabas. And they blaspheme, oh, they blaspheme the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 45 again. And they antilego again. It's in the imperfect tense. They kept on opposing God and opposing the gospel that Paul preached. Verse 46, both Paul and Barnabas, look, they're not going to take this back line down. There's no twinge of timidity, no residue of reserve. They stand up. Praise God for bold preachers. Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, Woo, come on. It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, you Jews. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are like, yeah, (laughs) this Messiah, this redemption, it sounds awesome to me. The Jews just religious, rejecting it. You know, all this boldness, passion reminded me of a missionary. His name was Bill Wallace. Bill Wallace was from Tennessee. He's a bright young man when he's a senior in high school. Jeffrey Samplaska, I love this story. Think, look, think about this. And you've got some seniors in high school, Jeffrey, you're discipling. Wouldn't it be awesome that God would do in their life what he did in Bill Wallace's life? When he was a senior, he said, I feel God's called to be a medical missionary. Went on to the University of Tennessee and got his undergraduate degree. Then he went on to the medical school in Memphis uh, and got his doctorate. And then he stayed on, completed his internship at Knoxville General Hospital. Then he stayed on another year for his surgical residency. Very bright, very gifted. And he says, I'm ready. I'm going to China. And he did. And he went to China for 15 years and did surgeries, healed so many people, helped so many people. But his main mission was to preach the gospel of Jesus. It was said of Wallace Bill Wallace was a doctor. His basic ministry was one of healing, but he was in China, first and of all, as a bearer of the good news of Jesus Christ, the glad tidings of forgiveness and eternal life inherent in the old, old message of God's love. Sometimes his soft, stuttering witness to that grace was more effective than the most eloquent evangelist plea. He was there during the communist revolution, the takeover. And the missionaries were encouraged, please, please leave. And Bill Wallace says, I can't. I can't leave the ministry that God has called me to here in China. So December the 18th, 1950, uh, many missionaries left. He stayed and was falsely accused of being an American spy. He was placed in prison and for a year, he was tortured, beaten, And eventually, Bill Wallace, this brilliant surgeon, died a horrible death in a prison camp in South China. But let me tell you the rest of the story. Oh, the gospel can't be quenched. And the gospel is raging in China today. Because of people like Lottie Moon and Bill Wallace and a host of other godly men and women who paid the price with their blood, The gospel is moving. There was a motion picture made of Bill Wallace's life. 
Today, the Baptist Student Union at the University of Tennessee is named after Bill Wallace. There is a church in Tennessee called the Wallace Memorial Baptist Church, a vibrant, growing church there in Knoxville. Praise God. Look, you go for it. You lay down your life and just watch what God does. That's what I'm, I'm laying my life down here. I am pouring out my soul. I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm seeking God, I'm preaching with everything that is within me. Why would I do such a thing? For the glory of the King, that Jesus would be praised, that your life would be built up in Him, and that many dead people would come to faith in Christ. Verse 46, Paul says it was necessary that we had to preach to the Jews first. Matthew 10, 5 and 6, Jesus commanded the apostles, go to the Jews. In Romans 1, 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So they went, they preached. Most of the Jews, like most of the Jews today, they rejected it, rejected the Messiah but many Gentiles believed then and many are today. The word for reject is apotheo. It means you yourselves, in the present middle indicative, you yourself keep on rejecting. And it's really interesting to me. Here you have the clear teaching of man's ability to reject. And then in verse 48, you see God's election and predestination. Isn't that cool? (laughs) And as many as appointed unto eternal life believed, so you got man's responsibility and you got God's sovereignty. And I just love that. It's, it's also, I like James Packer in his book, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. He calls it an antinomy where you have a, a seemingly contradiction, but both are right. I love that. Verse 46 says, behold, mm, behold our God. Oh, that's a good song, Jeff. Thank you. He says, behold now, he's, he's, he's telling them, we, we're, we're preaching the word to you. It's an imperative word in verse 46 when he says, uh, it was, behold, he grew bold. It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken uh, to you. It's, it's the Greek word that it's, it's the same word used in the Great Commission where Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always. Behold, see, look, take notice. I am with you. The Jews are rejecting, and the Gentiles are believing. It's kind of like the dog in the manger. The dog in the manger in Asaph's fable. There's a dog lying on the straw. He's asleep, and, and something awakens the dog, and he's ferocious, and he's barking, defending his hay that he cannot eat, but preventing those who want to eat from coming and eating. That's what's happening in our text with the Jew and the Gentile debate. Verse 47, Paul knows the Old Testament. He makes application of Isaiah 49, 6. He sees himself. Man, I'm telling you what. There's a lot of things to enjoy in this world, but there is no joy that I ever get quite like I get when I'm serving God, when I'm just being faithful to God, obedient. Paul and Barnabas said, look, we are the light. 
We're the light of the gospel to the Gentiles that they may be saved. Come, let us adore him. So you have an option, right? You hear the word of God. What will you do? First of all, I want to address our Great Hills Baptist Church family. You're scattered throughout the greater Austin area. Um, and, and they tell me that more and more people are wanting to join our church who don't live in Austin. It's, it's kind of a conundrum for me. It's like, what do I do, God? So many people are like, look, we, we consider this our church. We live in another state. But those of you that are close by, I'd say within 100 miles, so March 21st, why don't you come to church? Why don't you, why don't you join me? I'm telling you, it'd have to be something mighty, mighty strong to keep me from this, this building. I know it's a building, but it's our building. I know the church is the people of God, but this is our place. And to me, it's sacred because... This is where we preach the gospel. This is where we see people saved. This is where we, we used to. This is where we used to baptize people when people were being saved. And God was working and things were happening. And I'm praying. I'm praying God will do it again. Aren't you, Great Hills? Aren't you praying that? In March 23rd, why don't you come out? Get on your face. Get on your knees at the altar and pray to God. You say, well, I just can't. There's no, absolutely no way. Then get this rascal out and join us online, 7 o'clock, and just pray, just pray, pray, pray that the fire of God would fall upon our church. I mean, some of you old-timers, you've seen it in the past, right? Oh, I'm ready to see it again. What about you listening today? And I was preaching about favor and opposition. How do you respond to the gospel today? Do you respond favorably and you're receptive? Or do you say, no, this is not for me? Like, like most of the people in the world and like the Jews in the text said, no. But not only no, you take it a step further. And I've been watching this over the last several days. People who reject the gospel and then they are blasphemous toward Christ, towards prayer, toward the church. Can I just invite you to repent? No, really. Repent of sin and be born again by the Spirit of God so that you don't blaspheme anymore, so that you don't mock prayer and that you don't mock the things of God. Look, I know it's a miracle when anybody believes, but as many as are appointed unto eternal life, they believe, and I invite you to believe. Trust in the Lord. Look, we're about to sing another song. It's 11.58. We're going to be like last week. We're going to be done at like 12.05. That's pretty miraculous. We never get out of here at 12.05 when people are, man, that's, that's fine with me. That's okay with me. The Spirit of God were to come. People were to confess their sins. People be born again into eternal life and say, where's the baptistry? Hey, pastor, where is your baptistry? because I need to get baptized. I don't need you to talk me into it. I need to do it because I've been born again. Oh, that God would do that. Here's what I want to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment. I want to give us an opportunity to respond. We're going to sing in just a minute. But my message to you, who have heard the word of God preach, what is your reaction? 
Look, one of two things are going to happen. Your heart's going to remain dead or the Spirit of God's going to quicken. He's going to draw you to the Son. And when He does, surrender. You could pray a prayer to go something like this is from your heart. Say, God, I'm lost. I'm sinful. And I need you. Save me, oh God. Rescue me. I give you my all today, oh God. Save my soul. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. He says, that is it that simple? Yes, it is. Now, we want to hear from you. We want to know and rejoice. It's ghbc.org slash connect. That's it. That's how you connect and say, I gave my life to Christ. Woo, Great Hills, I'm getting fired up. I'm fired up for March 21st. Come on, Jeff. Let's sing another song of dedication to the Lord. God bless you. We love you. See you soon.